The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. April, April, April. This is our servant spotlight, and I am so thankful for April, who has launched our ladies' coffee back up and is literally everywhere. She's like, can I do ladies' coffee? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, boom, everywhere. Like, just helping and loving on people and not just doing it, but doing it with, like, so much passion and heart. And it is amazing to see. So thank you very much. Are you? Um, we'll talk about that, April. She's like, I got more stuff I'm going to do. I'm going to clean your bathrooms now. I don't, you can be welcome to do that, but I love that. Okay, we're going <laughs> to check that out. But she is serving, 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 and loves to do it, and is bringing a ton of joy to people, as she does. So thank you. Uh, and the other one is uh, Kyle Bertels. It's almost like a passing of the torch, because he has been cleaning our bathrooms, and now April's like, I want to clean the bathrooms. So Kyle, as you can see, he's up here uh, helping out even on Sunday while he's carrying his little baby around, and Juliet's partnering. So Thank you, Kyle. Kyle leads community groups. Kyle helps out with men's breakfast and prayer. Kyle is, me and him were in here uh, yesterday. Well, yesterday was Saturday, so we were in here Friday, vacuuming, cleaning bathrooms, doing all that stuff. And when it came time to clean and I go to grab stuff, Kyle's like, I, I, I dibs the bathrooms. So we had a long argument, which lasted all of go for it, and then we moved on. It's one of those things that it's like, you know, I argue enough at home sometimes with all, having family and kids and everybody. So Kyle, I'm going to let you win this one. I'm going to let you win this one. I don't. Not about that one. Kyle got me. So thank you, guys. Uh, let's pray. We're going to jump in. we got a good topic today uh, that hopefully will be challenging and also liberating at the same time for people that are here. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the family and the, uh, just the uh, body that you're building. Lord, your word says, unless you build the house, Lord, we labor in vain that build it. So we thank you that you've been at work to build your church. And we just give you praise for it. Amen. All right, today's message is welcome to our perfect home. How many of you guys have a perfect home? <laughs> we got three of them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome to our perfect home. Isn't that amazing? How many of you guys have seen a lot of perfect homes on Facebook and Instagram? Right? Don't you wish you could be one of those perfect, amazing homes where everybody looks awesome? Right? It's like, who watched the Lego movie? That first Lego movie and that song, Every Day is Awesome, is that what it, everything is awesome, wouldn't that be great if that was your life, like everything is awesome, my house is awesome, my home is awesome, the only thing I have that's like perfectly awesome every day is my hair because I literally roll out of bed and boom, it's done, like I'm here, like I have bedhead today, nobody cares and I don't care, this is how it was, I rolled out, it's awesome, right Nicole, Carla's the only one that cares and I think Matt, where'd Matt go? Carlo and Matt, they gave me a dueling gift. They both carried together. They both gave me the same, around the same time frame. You guys didn't coordinate, did you, Carlo? 
It's like the Lord was just moving on people. They both gave me a bald man's hairbrush. It's a wooden brush with no bristles. They both separately gave it to me, and I'm like, what is this? What's going on? So that wasn't even in my notes. That's extra. Okay. Welcome to our perfect tome. So I'm going to ask a couple questions. Who goes to a community group that's here? Who's in one? Because I'm going to put a couple people on the spot really fast. Just keep your hand up. I said I'm putting you on the spot. doesn't mean to hide your hands, okay? Hun, will you hand me that microphone real quick? Thank you, my lovely assistant. Sabrina, come here for just a second. Randall, come here for just a second. Krista, come here for just a second. Krista, come on. Two seconds. Mrs. Rosato, please come forward. I couldn't bring her forward when she was my daughter, but now that she is Mrs. Rosato, I can do that, right? Because she can't complain at me when we go home. Dad, why'd you put me on the spot? Because she has her own home now. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, same question for all of you guys. It'll be very fast, okay? And I'm going to make Krista go last, so she has to stay up there longer. Uh, Randall, why do you go to community group? Uh, feeling your family. I'm by myself at the moment, so it's good to get out. And, you know, my little three-room apartment has no windows, so it's, it's great to get with people that I enjoy being with. Awesome. That's a perfect answer, because that's your answer, Sabrina. You can't fail this test. You just, what, why do you go to community group? Um, family, getting out, being able to talk to people that aren't seven and <laughs> 11 months old. That aren't seven. <laughs> um, she didn't and, mean that, Khaleesi. <laughs> and my kids get to socialize with other kids. Awesome. They don't get that around right now. Perfect. That's good. Krista? Um, because of koinonia, is that the word, Kyle? Koinonia, building that relationship with family and our church family. So. Awesome. Okay, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Okay, pretty, pretty good. Give them a hand. Pretty good answers. So keep that in mind, okay, because I'm going to come back to that at the end of this message. Okay, keep that in mind, okay? Family, connection, relationship, talking to people that aren't seven, okay? Remember that. All right? We're going to jump into the, to God's word here, and we're going to go through some situations where Jesus gathers people together in a community group style, a home style environment, and talk about some of the different spots. Not the whole Bible, we don't have time for it, but I'm going to hit quite a few, and we're going through a lot of scripture. Matthew 26, 17 to 30. Now, it's not going to wind up up here because I'm going through, like I said, a lot of scripture, and it would have been too many slides. So I don't want you to be able to just track. If you want to pull it up on your phone, you can. It's Matthew 26, 17 to 30. This is the Last Supper. So Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, right? This is the end of his life, his great mission on earth, coming out of heaven. Here he is, okay? What would you do if you were getting ready to, you know, I'm out of this place, right? I'm about to go to the cross, I'm about to rise from the dead, and then I'm gone. Well, here's what Jesus did. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Okay, so Jesus is going to a home. He could have been to a lot of places. Where is he going? He's going to somebody's house. Okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to spend time at your house. Now, there's crowds that follow him. There's people everywhere. Jesus ministered on hillsides. He ministered everywhere. He ministered in the temple you know, the church, he ministered all these places, but when it comes down to it, he's getting ready to leave, and he wants an intimate time to do some very key discipleship. He says, you know what, tell this guy we're going to come to his house, and we're going to do our ministry there. How many of you guys would like it if all of a sudden you got a call last minute? 
Because he's like, where do you want us to do this? He's like, go tell this guy we're coming over. Last minute, and oh, it happens to be Jesus coming over for his last supper. Get the vacuums out. Get the underwear off the floor. Let's make this place look like we, like we live here, right? Clean it up. Okay, go mow the lawn, Kyle. Pull the weeds. Get some bark time. Come on, guys. This guy gets this put on him. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Now, if somebody said, Hey, you're going to betray, you'd think like your first reaction would be, Well, it's definitely not me. Right? Their reaction was, they got sad, and they're like, Well, I hope it's not me. That's kind of a weird response, don't you think? Any of you ever feel at times like, Boy, Lord, I hope that I've got enough I hope I can make it. I hope I can be a dad and a good dad till the end. I hope I can, be, I can make it in this world. I hope I can be a, a good family. I hope I can follow you. I hope I don't fail. I hope I don't screw everything up. I hope I don't give in to my addiction or temptation. I hope that anybody ever feel like that and you're wondering your own self? It's like, I tell everybody I can make it. I can do it. I'm the best. But deep down inside, sometimes I just wonder. I go to bed and I'm like, Lord, I just help me. I hope I'm not one of the ones that just loses my mind or blows it. That happens. It really does. It happens to people. It happens to me sometimes. It's like, oh, man, Lord, help me. It's a struggle sometimes in life. And that's where they are. They're in this pressure moment. They say, well, we hope it's not us. And so Jesus replies, the one who's dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man, he's talking about himself, will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you didn't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, uh, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this of the fruit from this vine now until that day, and when I drink it new, you will be in my Father's kingdom. So here's what he's saying. He's giving them a major discipleship moment about his death and resurrection and this idea of breaking bread and communing together. It's a long passage, hard to follow probably, but the point is he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he says, let's gather together in a home. Why? We're going to eat together, and I'm going to break down some things that are really important for people to be gathering in a community and understanding together. That's Jesus. He could have done anything. That's how he ends it. Okay, here's another one. John 21, 1 through 19. Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, you're risen from the dead, right? You just defeated all the powers of hell, right? You just defeated death, all these things. And so here we are in John 21, 1 through 19, and he could, again, do anything. This isn't even, like, restricted by just being the physical Jesus walking around you know, fully God, all those things, and yet he's limited his power and ability walking around on earth when he, before he died. But now he's risen. He's about to, like, elevate himself into the sky. He can walk through the wall and talk to people that are in a meeting when the door's closed and locked. Like, he's fully released. I'm going after it. And what does he do? Because he could do anything. Well, here we are in John 21, 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This is after he rose by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. 
I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. They're basically in the same situation they were when Jesus first found them, right? They were out fishing and caught nothing, right? Their life's not being productive. It's not being fruitful because Jesus hadn't connected with them yet. Now here Jesus has died. He's risen again, but they're not connected with Jesus again. And guess what? Their life is unfruitful. There's a lesson just in that, but that's not the message today. And so early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called them out, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because the number was so large. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon heard him, say that it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He jumped in the water, and the other disciples followed in a boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards. And when they landed, check this out, they saw a fire burning coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. So they're out there working, trying to catch fish, doing all this stuff, and when they see Jesus, guess what's the first thing he does? He busts out breakfast. He's got the coal's going, he's got fish going, he's got bread's going, and he gathers them together for breakfast. And he sits down and he talks to him and begins to disciple him. Now, that's the last thing he did before he left, and now he connects with them again, and what's he do? He gathers them together, hey, let's eat. Now, in the context of these two events, one of those is right before the greatest moment in history. Jesus dying on the cross and paying for the sins of humanity that was separated from God. And the other one immediately follows all of his power being revealed and that even death couldn't hold him down. He's like, could you imagine that? You get somebody like, that you thought was dead is alive and boom, they're there. And you're like, want to freak out? What are we doing? We're taking over the world now. Because that's what they wanted him to do, right? He was the savior that was coming. Hey, we're taking everything over now. And he's like, oh, hold on, let's have some fish. I mean, I've been to meetings. I'm kind of a high D driver personality. I like to get things done. I move forward, move forward. And I've been to meetings where the meeting's supposed to start, and I walk in, and everybody sits down. They're like, hey, let's have some food, and we're sitting around. We're 15 minutes in, and we haven't started yet. And I'm like, uh. Like, I thought we had a meeting. Eh. Just vibrating inside, trying to stay calm. <laughs> like, hey, have some coffee. Coffee's good, but I thought we were here for a meeting. <laughs> you know, just trying not to panic. Anybody else like that? You're just like a driver. It's like you're trying to just stay calm. Like, <sighs> okay, enjoying my coffee. Imagine Jesus has risen from the dead, the leader you were following that was whipped and beaten and spat on and destroyed, I mean, all these things, and everybody was mocking him and laughing, and he got back up, and it's like, boom, here he is. And he's like, hey, let's have breakfast. Okay. If that's what he's doing, there's got to be something significant happening that he would take the time to stop and do that. Well, Acts 2, 20, or Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is after Jesus goes back to heaven. And now the early church is there. And the early church is, is trying to tell people about Jesus' resurrection, trying to build the kingdom of God, and trying to draw people into salvation, and all these things that are so important. Verse 42 is the fellowship of the believers. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So there's food again, and they're praying. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, and they gave to anyone that had need. 
Every day, check this out, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, talking church. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily all those who were being saved. So now here, the early church is here. Jesus is risen. He's gone. The Holy Spirit's come down. God's Spirit is moving on people. The Bible says it's him, God, that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So here he is. The Holy Spirit comes, and what does he will in people to do? He wills it in them to gather together, to meet in their homes, to talk about God, and to share in a meal and in fellowship together. Like, this has been going on. There's Old Testament examples. I'm going to hit one of those here in just a minute. But you can go through the Bible and you see this over and over and over again. That somehow God has done this thing to bring us together to actually have a fellowship and a connection. Now, we've been through a year where that was really, really tough to do and really challenged. And there's some good health reasons for that. Okay? But within that, if you look at the statistics that are coming out now, all types of side effects have come out of that. All types of side effects of higher suicide rates, addiction, uh, depression, broken marriages, all types of mental issues and disorders and things because people have not gathered together for, I'm not saying bad reasons, but for the reality of the year that we went through, right? But still, there's a reality of impact that it's had on lives of people, okay? And so it's easy in life to get into a habit, right? Or to lose a habit if it's been long enough, right? Like we went to the movies, we went and saw Godzilla versus King Kong. We wanted to go see a nice, calm, peaceful movie to just relax together. And so we go in there to watch it. My, my sister and her kids were in town. We're like, well, let's go see a movie. So we went to see this movie. And I'm like, I haven't been to a movie in over a year. Like, I don't even know. Like, what do I need to, like, how do I look this up? I got to get my tickets. Like, do we need pre-buy? Like, I don't even know. I'm not in the habit of going to the movies anymore. And then Cammie wanted to go to a movie. And she's my daughter. And she told me yesterday, she says, hey, we're going to go to a movie. And I'm like, well, there won't be a movie until 10. Well, why not? Well, because movies start at like 7.50 and like 9.50. There's like slots. She's like, oh, I haven't been to a movie in a long time. I didn't know that. So we can fall out of patterns and habits, and we can also fall into them, right? And so in the isolation and in time apart, we can fall into a habit of living that way. And yet, as things are opening up, there is a call of God on our lives as believers to live in a way where we gather together, we connect, and we build up and we fellowship with each other. And it's not just because we need food and our neighbor's a better cook. It's like, man, we should do a group where we can go over to this guy's house. He's got good food. But God's trying to bring connection between us. God's trying to bring relationship between us. And so this is what was going on in the early church. So here's some things that hold us back. One of those is that we don't feel like we are good enough or like others are good enough. I know those are opposites, but they kind of come from the same tree, right? Shame and judgment. Right? I'm not really good enough for people to come to my house. You know, I maybe would go to somebody else's, but people wouldn't want to come to mine, and, and you know, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough socially or whatever. Or it goes the other direction. You know, I wouldn't want to go to their house because I know about them. You know, or they're, they're not mature enough. They don't know God enough or whatever the case is. So we're going to get into a little bit of scriptures on that and talk about that because that's an objection that people really have. 
I can tell you from our experience, we've been doing uh, community groups and meeting in our home for about 21 years consecutively, just nonstop. It's a long time. And we, at the beginning of that, if you're new to this church and you haven't heard before, I mean, I've shared it a lot, but some of you may not have heard, I had such high social anxiety that I literally, I was running the community group. I wasn't attending. I wasn't hosting. I was hosting and running the community group. And people were coming to my house, and when I saw their car pull up, I literally went to my bedroom, went in the closet, shut the door, and hid behind the clothes. That's a fact. And my wife would come find me, and I'm hiding in the closet, my little toes are sticking out from underneath the, my toes are sticking out from underneath the clothes, and she's looking around, opens the door, she's like, are you in here? And I'm just like, not saying anything, and she looks down, look, my toes are there, like little Easter eggs, just poking out. She's like, your feet are right there. Get, and that, you know how sassy she can be. Get out now. I'm not getting out. You're getting out. There's people here, and they're here for your group. Okay, fine. Either get out or I'm pulling you out. Do you want me to bring everybody in here and show them that you're in the closet? No, I'm coming. We had a lot of interesting conversations. But I didn't feel good enough. I wasn't good enough in how I felt, but I was obedient. God's saying, open your home. Love on people. Care for people. Bring them in. I'm like, God, I'm not good enough. He's like, I didn't ask you that. Whose house is it? It's yours. Open the door. Let somebody come over. Love on them. Okay, fine. Here they come. Guess what happens when you do that? Discipleship works both ways. I'm not good enough. I can't lead or disciple or encourage somebody. Why would they come to my home? Well, guess what? They're walking in my door thinking I'm not good enough. I don't know why they're having me over. All of a sudden, we got two people that aren't good enough in a house with a God who is good enough. And suddenly, I'm getting discipled mentored and changed because God is forcing me through this whole experience and they're getting discipled and changed because God's doing that and in the end who gets the glory God does because he put it together and so God does this on purpose he's not looking for the qualified he's not looking for the people that are the best and they're able he's looking for the people that are willing and obedient to gather so his spirit can be at work so here's a couple of verses not good enough mark 2 13 to 17 Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, at whose house? Levi's house. When did Levi become a follower of Jesus? Right then. They were walking along the way, and he calls him, and he starts following him. Okay, and so they're going forward. And he's sitting in the tax collector. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And while they were having dinner at his house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and with his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus didn't have a good enough problem. Jesus called people, he fellowshiped with them, he ate with them, he mentored and discipled them, he connected with them. Who had a good enough problem was the more religious people. Jesus didn't have it. Because if Jesus had it, he never would have came here. Right? Well, why would he eat with those kinds of people? Why would he eat with you? 
Why did he eat with me? I know who I was before Christ. I knew who I am now without Christ. The fact that he would eat with sinners, is a, is a, that's not a condemnation, man. That is an invitation. It means that he would invite you to come as well with all the stuff that people don't know you think, with all the stuff that people don't know you feel, that they don't know you said, they don't know you've done. Yeah, he still invites you. Come. So he doesn't have a good enough problem. Here's another verse. This is Luke 14. Then Jesus said to his host, he's at a house. Now, you guys know this story, but let's think about it. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If they do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. You know when you invite people, right? And it's like, okay, well, we invited them, but they haven't invited us. Does anybody keep score? Okay, you don't have to say it. It's like, man, we invited them over three times. They haven't invited us over yet. Right? You can get into that. It's like, okay, they want to get together. Well, that probably means they want to come to our house and eat our food. Have their kids mess up our toy room. Why don't they ever have us to their house, right? But he's saying, don't do it because of this trade-off or just because you like them. He says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection. In other words, God's saying, you help people that I would have helped if I was there. And then when you get up here, I'm the one that will repay you for doing that. It's not just the best people. In our 20 years, we've had so many different people in our house. We've had people that we couldn't believe they would even come to our house because they're so awesome. And they're so, like, not just awesome like good people, but, man, they've served and ministered all over the world. And then they show up at our house, and we're like, they're coming to our house? Oh, my gosh. Maybe we should borrow our neighbor's house so they think our house is better. Whatever the case is, right? It's like, what are those people? And we've had people come in where they come in and literally every week, as soon as they left, we had to strip the cushions off of the couch, strip the covers off the cushions and wash them because they're soaked in urine. And they came all the time, faithful. Every time. Here they come. Hey, have a seat. And we could have pulled out a plastic chair and said, hey, sit on this, right? No. Here's a good seat. Come sit down. That's the heart God wants us to have. But not just for people that can pay us back or do for us, but people that he wants to love on, that he wants to show that to. Because God doesn't have a good enough problem. God is, when he's calling this togetherness, and he's saying, come together, meet together, care for each other, he's not looking at all those things. Is my house good enough? You know, we had community groups in little tiny apartments. And it got so crowded that the managers, remember that? The managers gave us the upstairs vacant one, the model to use for adults, and we let all the kids be downstairs because we couldn't fit in there. But they knew good things were happening there. And so they said, yeah, you guys can use the model for the adults and just put the kids downstairs. Don't let the kids upstairs. Well, one of them was seven. That's plenty older. <laughs> so that's that age. Uh, but these are the things that God wants to do. What about too much strife in your house? Anybody ever feel like, well, we can't open our home because there's too much strife? Too much arguing? We don't all get along enough? Anybody have that? Ever? like, well, we'd have people over, but I don't know if everybody's going to be, behave, right? And you're just talking about your husband. You're not even talking about your kids. <laughs> like, I don't know if my husband's going to behave, right? But these are the questions. I don't know if I can have them over because I don't know what will happen. I don't know what it will look like. These are the things that God wants us to get over. Luke 10, 38 to 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened what? 
her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, now, okay, Martha. Okay, Jesus is trying to drop revelation from heaven on people. Like, he is sitting here doing something that is, God in the flesh is sitting here trying to teach. There's so many things that you could be worried about or doing. And Martha is there. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening. Oh, what a wonderful woman, just listening to words of wisdom. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him. Now, here's the strife. She didn't even just keep it to herself. She blew the meeting up. Like he's in the middle trying to teach, trying to do this. And she comes, excuse me. Oh, yes, Martha, did you have a question regarding my eloquence and my wisdom from heaven? No, Mary's lazy. She's been sitting here the whole time. I'm in here doing dishes. I'm like taking care of stuff. I've taken the trash out. Like strife. There's this, there's this battle between these two ladies in the middle of Jesus trying to do his work. I've led community groups where we're having a community group, and all of a sudden in the middle of the community group, there's like a, a little mini squabble fight breaking out, and I'm like, oh, okay. How about we all just break and have coffee? I've been having people over at my house, and something turns into an argument, turns into a fight, turns into somebody storming off and going upstairs. And they're like, is your wife always that way? I'm like, no, no, just on the days that end in Y, praise God. No, that's a joke, that's a joke, a joke. You can't imagine that in 20 plus years of having people in our home that there hasn't been some times where people left and we were embarrassed because something went wrong. Something went really wrong. Either we totally screwed something up we had an argument, kids had an argument, something happened. Here's something that happened. We had community group. People go in our backyard, they're playing. Well, we were new to having dogs. Buddy. Never name a dog Buddy. What a false name. <laughs> buddy. Like they're your friend, like they care about you. They don't care about, them, about you, they care about their food. They care about their comfort, and they care about places to go to the bathroom. That's all they care about. You are just the conduit to give them all that stuff. So we're there, we're hanging out, and all of a sudden, a mom comes carrying in her kid. Now, we're trying to present a nice home. We did all the things you're supposed to do. We vacuumed, we swept, we put the dishes away, made sure the heat was right, got the food ready, told all of our kids to be quiet, don't destroy everybody, don't let them see how we're raising you, just be nice, smile. We did all the proper stuff to have a good environment. And somebody comes walking in with their baby from outside, turns around, and yes, in between his little bare feet, squished between all the toes like frosting coming out of a donut, was all this dog poop. And I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, buddy. <laughs> buddy, I love dogs. There wasn't enough, mo uh, enough room in our moving truck to take him with us when we moved, unfortunately. So Buddy never made it. My kids still tell me about that. 
but squish through his toes. Just right. <laughs> there is so many things that have happened in our home that are not things you would tell people to have happen in their home when people come over to make a nice environment. We've had people stay over way too long. Okay, we're done. It's like 9 o'clock. Everybody left, except for them. We're sending out the weekly reminder, hey, you guys ought to come over. Take them off. Don't, don't remind them. No, we remind everybody, don't remind them. Just re Fine, remind them, but you know what's going to happen. No, that won't happen again. 11 o'clock rolls around. 12 o'clock rolls around. I'm not kidding you. We had a particular couple who we love to this day. That's why I won't say their names. But you know who you are. No. <laughs> that they would come over. And I literally, this was my strategy. In faith, in the love of God, in the love of people, in the love of all things holy. I would just fall asleep on the couch. Fake fall asleep. So they would see I'm asleep and leave. At like, you know, getting close to midnight. I would just lay back on the couch and I'd be like listening and then pretty soon I'd like start closing my eyes. And then I would just like, and I'd literally fall asleep. And when they wouldn't get the point, I'd like, like try to push a little bit of drool out, something that makes it look like I'm really asleep. I do a little snoring. Like I did the whole thing, like Oscar level. Give me an award. I'm asleep. And you know what? Didn't matter. We just turn and start talking to my wife. And I'm like, this doesn't work. And yet through that, God built relationship even with them that helped their life and helped our life. And this weird connection of way that God builds and puts things together, it's like, this building happened, this discipleship happened, this connection happened. God works it both ways. Yeah, people steal our coffee mugs and take them for a year. My wife's still living that down. Forgiveness is a whole different message we'll get to another day. Here's another one. You don't have enough to share with other people. I don't have people in my home because, you know what, we're too poor. We don't have enough. I've told you guys a story where we had to have somebody bring their own toilet paper that came over. Right? Because they came over and they said, like, hey, what can we bring? And my wife's like, we have no toilet paper. You can't have people over. I'm like, what are we going to do? No, this was years ago when toilet paper was in full supply <laughs> to anyone who had money. That's the catch, which we did not. And so we're having people over, and we're literally out of toilet paper that day. And my friend calls, what can we bring? I'm like, my wife said to bring toilet paper. <laughs> so they bring toilet paper. But we're not the only ones. Kyle and Jenna Bertels, when they first moved here, right, going through a career change, trying to figure out how to make money, they were having people over to their home. They got a situation where literally selling every single thing in their home to try to survive. Sold his couch. Sold, I mean, they're selling everything. Couch, TV, they have nothing. But guess what? They were selling people over. Like, well, where are they going to sit? We don't know yet. Figuring it out. Can we borrow some chairs from the church or whatever? Like, how can we sit people in here? They didn't have anything to give except for themselves and to open their doors. Say, come on in. That speaks a lot to people when you're willing to have them over, to open your doors when you don't have, when you're not perfect, when you got problems, you got issues, and they're in there. And then later on, see, they saw that you fought with your kid, and when they leave, the next day they go, hey, I saw you actually fight with your kid too. Like, what do you, what, what's your strategy? 
but what do you mean by strategy? Like, how do you win? What do you mean, like, how do you try to have a good family and raise them? No, how do you win? <laughs> Just tell me. And they're talking, and they're connecting. Or your kids and their kids are hanging out, and they see that you did something wrong, and they're like, oh, so your dad screws up too, huh? Oh, yeah, my dad screws up. And they start talking, and relationship happens. And all this is going on, not because they saw you were perfect at church or perfect on social media, but they saw you were imperfect in your actual real life. And there's this connection and these things going on. You don't have enough to share with others. This is 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. Elijah the prophet, he goes and he needs some to be taken care of. So where does God send him? Well, God does what God does and sends him to a widow who doesn't have anything. So sometimes later the brook dried up, but because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. I'm thinking of doing a church outreach like that. It's like we're going to have everybody who's like full-grown and able-bodied come and then see if we can get all the poor widows to come and just take care of us for a day, like a reverse outreach, right? Wouldn't that be strange? It's like, hey, are you a widow and you don't have anything? Great. We want you to come and take care of all these able-bodied men this week and provide for all of their needs. What? We are going to do a, a single moms outreach with oil changes and stuff soon. But we're not doing reverse. We're not having all the single moms come and change all the oil for all the men. You know what you need. You need to come serve some men. Would you bring some oil and get underneath my truck and fix it? Yeah, this is what God's doing. I mean, this is you read it and you're like, well, that's God, so it makes sense. But no, just step out of that. This is weird. This is strange. You're reading a story, and here's God's man that God's supposed to take care of, that he's the, the prophet to the nations, and God says, hey, go to this widow. I'm going to have her take care of you. It says, so he went there, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her, and he asked, hey, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? He didn't say, hey, can I help you carry your sticks? Some personality issues here. He says, hey, when you're done carrying all that heavy stuff, could you grab me a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, oh, and bring me a piece of bread. This is strange behavior. Hey, bring, oh, and bring me a piece of bread, please. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I'm sure she said it really sweet. She says, I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. And then she caps it off with the only thing you can cap off when somebody wants to come over and you have nothing. Then we will eat it and die. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? She's like, then we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Okay, sorry I asked. Can I help you with your sticks? Nope. That's not where Elijah's going. He just says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Well, hopefully not the die part. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me. That's fine, go ahead and do it. But first, if you're going to go home and eat with your son and die first, make me some bread. Like, I'm hungry. Just make me some bread, please. And he says, for this is what the Lord, and then make some, he says, and then make something for yourself. So he wants to be fed first. No risk of not eating after she's dead. Okay, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. This jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food for every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word that the Lord had spoken by Elijah. 
And that obedience, God then restored into her and gave her more than she had before and more than she needed. God will do the same for you. Praise God, when our friends came over, they brought a case of toilet paper from Costco. That's what happens. People come in and they see the need and they help. We talked last week about being all in and unfiltered, not trying to hide any issues, hide what's going on. When you're open, it gives people a place to serve and to love and to care for you. And God blesses that and God opens doors for that. So we talked about at the beginning of this message, it was, we, I had people come up and say, why are you in community group? Remember what they said? Family, right? Community, and not talking to seven-year-olds. Notice what they didn't say, and I had no, I did not talk to any of them beforehand. I just called them up, that was it. Raise hands, call you up. None of them said, I go because the person who hosts it has a really nice home. I could have had a hundred people come up here. Not one of them would have said that. I go because the food is just really better than what I have at my house. Nobody would have said that. All of the reasons that we think of as disqualifying, not one of the people said, well, because the person that hosts it is a really perfect, awesome person. It wasn't even because of the qualification of the person that was opening their home. It was because something happens when I'm in this connected environment where there's community and life happening and I feel the love of God and there's connection. That's a God thing. It wasn't about the host. It wasn't about the home. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't even about the the specific things that are shared or talked about that week because that changes from week to week, but the constant is the community and the connection and the love that God brings. By this they will know you're my disciples, what? That you love one another. And that's what happens when we're, when we're able to come in and to do that. So I'm going to reread the fir- one of the first verses that I talked about today, and we're going to pray and close up here. But Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, the early church This is after Jesus rose, the Holy Spirit comes and he moves on them to begin doing the things of God and building his church. And this is how it describes the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to each other who had need. Where is all this coming from? Where is all this happening? Well, it says in the next verse, Every day they continued to meet together in the temples. We're doing that right now. But also they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And because of that environment and because of that connection and community and what God was doing through his spirit, we live in a divided world, right? There is so much division and anger and back and forth and walls and barriers and all this stuff up. It looks a whole lot different to people when they see it. these people all get together and have a good time and love on each other. And they're not even drunk. Like they're just actually enjoying each other. That's a witness. By this, don't know you're my disciples, that you love one another. That's a witness to who God is, not just who he is on Sunday. When you go to church, yeah, it's good. They do music and people pray and they preach at you and stuff. You put some money in the box. Like I do that. But when you actually get to know people and you're connected with people and you're spending life and doing community with them and you see all the things happening and this person goes through a hurt or a pain and somebody's there to comfort them and this person can't pay their rent and somebody's there to help them out because they know about it and this and all this stuff's going on that god does a work in there 
that glorifies himself and brings people together. And then it says all these people were added to them because they saw that witness. And so coming out of this last year, which is really difficult to do any of that in, I just want to encourage you guys, don't be stuck in a habit or in a rut of isolation, of, of being alone. We have a call as believers. In whatever capacity, I know there's different health issues and all that stuff, whatever capacity you are able to gather together and to connect personally with people. And you can do that by getting in a community group. There's two of them right now. We do want more. If you're like, man, I feel I want to host a community group. I want people in my house on a weekly basis. Then shoot me an email or, or come talk to me because we do have opportunity to open more homes and we will do some help and support and that, some training and stuff like that just as far as like, you know, oh, what do I even do? And how, well, we can help with all that. You don't have to just be qualified. You've got to be obedient. Lord, I want to I participate. I either want to go somewhere and get plugged in or I want to have people and let them get plugged in. And even outside of that, just in your general life, I mean, God's given you a place, a place to live, a place to host, a place to have hospitality, a place to love on others. Invite your neighbors. Invite people that you know. Just make it a place where God can minister. Amen? Because they're all his homes, right? We're just tenants. We're just living there. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would... Uh, help us, Lord, to get a heart, Lord, which we already have, but help us to get even a greater heart, Lord, for your design for life and for church and for community. God, that we would be really a family. Lord, not because we're a family just on Sunday, but Lord, we care about and we look out for and we connect and we support each other even throughout the week. And Lord, all those people, Lord, right now who don't have a place to connect, Lord, they may not even be here today, but God, they don't, they don't have friends, they don't have family, they don't have support networks. They're isolated and alone. God, your word says that you set the solitary into families. So God, we pray that you would add them, add them to the beat, Lord, add them to a great church down the street. God, add them to a community group uh, that's here or a community group that's somewhere else. God, Lord, just put them in an environment where they can experience your love and your connection, where they can be supported and they can support others, Lord, that are walking through their faith journey. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, over across the hallway down there, there is food and there's drinks and fellowship and stuff. Uh, so hang out, get to know some people. If you don't know somebody and somebody's not coming up and talking to you because you're like, well, I'm new and I don't know anybody. Well, the person that you see that you might think is rude for not talking to you, they might also be new. So everybody just talk to everybody. Have fun. Enjoy each other. That's what we're here for. Amen. Have a good day. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.